episode 64 of Now We're Talking. I'm Rob Danish, a professor of communication studies at the University of Waterloo, and this is a podcast about communication skills. So in episode 63, we were talking about the balance between directness and warmth and the importance of achieving a balance between directness and warmth for leaders or for anyone really in um, communication, embodied communication situations. So today I want to build on that a little bit and continue talking about, um, and I want to talk about skills that kind of transcends whatever communication your situation you're in. So it doesn't matter if you're a leader or um, an employee or in a small group or in an interpersonal setting um, or public speaking. Some of these things are going to be useful no matter what the occasion or context. So I, I think the combination between warmth or the balance between warmth and directness is really, really helpful regardless. And constantly thinking back to Al Gore and his loss of that election many years ago now. Um, and one of the things Al Gore struggled with was not directness or assertiveness or clarity. Uh, he just never appeared to be very warm or very quote unquote likable. Uh, so he didn't have that balance even as a public speaker, but we can all kind of be aided by the balance between warmth and directness. Um, but sometimes people misunderstand what it means to be direct. And in today's episode, I want to talk about um, what are the central communication practices that lots of us engage in that we shouldn't. So it just avoiding this communication practice can help us improve in all sorts of scenarios. And it's especially true of people who think of themselves as direct. They could be making this mistake in an effort to be direct, but the mistake is actually going to derail a lot of communicative interactions. Um, so if you've ever seen someone kind of like wagging their finger and saying, you know, I can, I tell it like it is, I can say whatever it is that I want to say. That's pretty much my least favorite thing in the ent entire world. Whenever I see someone saying they can say whatever they want and that they tell it like it is. Um, it's true that yeah, it's in a really banal sense. Yes, you can say whatever it is that you want. Uh, but those people have like this deep misunderstanding of the communicative process whereby they think then that just directly expressing some truth that is theirs uh, will do the work that it needs to do. And they're ignoring the fact that they're constantly having effects on, on others. So um, what I want to talk about today is invalidation and how uh, and when we communicate in ways that invalidate others and what effects invalidation has on others. Um, mostly what I'm talking about is emotional invalidation, but I, I really think it goes beyond just emotional invalidation. Sometimes people's uh, positions or claims or, or reasons can be invalidated also, and it's, it's not just emotions. Um, so whatever it is, invalidation uh, is the communicative practice whereby a person's thoughts and feelings are rejected, ignored, or judged by someone else. And invalidation in all of its forms is always emotionally upsetting for anyone. Uh, it's particularly hurtful for people that are emotionally sensitive. It's also particularly harmful for children. So in terms of family communication and communication practices 
between parents and children, something I think a lot about because I have kids, invalidation is really upsetting and can be really harmful for the development, cognitive and emotional development of kids. Um, what happens when we invalidate someone else is that we disrupt the relationship and we actually create distance, emotional distance. So I'm often talking to my students about uh, closeness and distance and how one effect or one outcome of communicative practice can be closeness or distance. Invalidation is one of the best ways to introduce distance, to, to push someone away. Uh, sometimes people, we've talked in earlier episodes about intrapersonal communication, so the kind of communication, that kind of self-talk that happens inside of each of us. We can actually invalidate ourselves, um, which is deeply harmful. Um, I would leave that to a psychologist to talk about how that happens, but it makes building your own identity really, really challenging if your intrapersonal communication involves invalidation. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about intrapersonal communication. I'm more interested in interpersonal, small group, kind of these embodied situations, leader, follower, parent, child, those kinds of situations where invalidation becomes, uh, comes, comes, sort of comes to the fore as a practice. Um, it's also the case, and, and I'm just going to kind of wave at this and psychologists have more to say about it, but invalidation makes recovery from depression and anxiety really difficult. Uh, some people, some psychologists even believe that invalidation is the major contributor to emotional disorders, especially for when, when young people are emotionally invalidated. Um, now, and also invalidation is a kind of form of um, pathologies. Some people like intentionally uh, manipulatively invalidate others to make them feel anxious or depressed or upset. Um, I'm not going to talk about that. I want to talk about the cases in which most people would probably deny that they're invalidating the internal, the internal experience of some other. Like most of us don't know we're doing it when we do it. It's just a, a kind of offhand communicative practice that we're likely to engage in sometimes. And we're not doing it to intentionally manipulate someone else. We don't want to make the other person feel anxious or depressed or upset. Um, I think it's actually really very, very few people that purposefully invalidate other others. And those, those really few number of people are, are probably have some serious pathologies going on that like I'm not qualified to speculate on. But well-intentioned people, um, even like the very best of us, even in our very best moments, can be uncomfortable with intense emotions. And they can believe that they're helping when they're actually invalidating. And those are the cases um, I'm most interested in. Um, and obviously we invalidate others verbally. Um, and I, I want to talk through kind of some of the ways in which some of the more common ways in which we may unintentionally verbally invalidate someone else. And then the, the, the purpose here is to try to avoid engaging in these communicative practices. Um, so some of us just misunderstands, understand what it means to validate. So sometimes people invalidate others because uh, they believe if they validate that they're agreeing with them. So a person can say something like, you think it's wrong that you're angry with your friend. And that person cannot agree with you. But validation isn't agreeing. Uh, be and, and because we want to, the, you know, it's, it's like because they want to reassure you, they, in, they invalidate you by saying you shouldn't think that way. Um, 
And so I, I think that's the, the best phrase to look out for. If someone says to you, you shouldn't really think that way about X, they're doing it because they think that they need to agree with you in order to validate your position. Um, but telling someone that they shouldn't think that way is an invalidation, is a, like a, a clear invalidation of what it is that they're thinking. And again, I don't think the in that case, someone's intentionally trying to invalidate someone. They just don't want to be seen as in agreement with that person. So they say, ah, oh, you shouldn't really think that way. Um, other people, like they want to fix others' feelings. So you say something like, oh, come on, don't be so sad. Do you want ice cream or do you want to do something fun? Uh, this happens a lot in interpersonal relationships where in the presence of love, like people who love you don't want you to hurt or feel bad. So a kind of micro form of invalidation is uh, to just say, you know, uh, you should just be happier. <laughs> you should just ignore the emotional state that you're in and change your emotional state so that I feel less bothered by the fact that you're hurt. Um, so uh, they invalidate, so we could invalidate someone else's thoughts or feelings in an effort to make them feel a different emotion than the emotion that they're feeling. So if you're like, come on, don't be X, whatever the X is, don't be so X, the person's kind of in a microwave invalidating you or you're invalidating that other person if that's what you're saying. Um, sometimes people lie to us in order to not hurt our feelings. So they might tell you, oh, you look great in that dress or you look great in that suit. Um, but in truth, it's not the best you know, style or dress or suit for you. Um, or maybe they agree that your point of view in an argument when in fact they don't think you're being reasonable. So even so not wanting to, avoiding kind of directness can be a mode of invalidation too. Um, so uh, here's a few more. Um, yeah, th there's a lot of these, but I'm trying to think of the most basic ones. Uh, sometimes, so these are more aggressive. Those first few are, I would say, are more subtle. Um, these are slightly more aggressive. We can try and blame someone. So you can say, you always have to be a crybaby. You're always upset about something and you ruin all the, all the good times. Uh, you never think and you're always making everything harder. Blaming is always invalidating. Blaming is different from taking responsibility, but um, it's invalidating the other person's reasons and perspective on why something happened. Uh, and any, any phrase with the, that starts with you always have to, you know, you're always X, you should be really careful about because every person is complicated and every no person is always one thing or another. Uh, sometimes we, we attempt to clean up or vacuum up uh, feelings that you're uncomfortable with. So if you hear someone say, oh, it's not such a big deal when it's important to you, that person's invalidating you. Uh, saying someone did a great job when they didn't or that your friends love them when they don't, that's also trying to kind of clean up the mess that's around to not let you have those feelings. Uh, not acknowledging how difficult something might be for you is also cleaning that up. Um, saying something like, you know, no, pro no problem. Uh, of course I could do that when you're feeling overwhelmed is also a form of invalidating. It's a form of self invalidation then. Uh, whenever we're judging, we're usually invalidating. So if you tell someone you're overreacting or that's a ridiculous thought, those are examples of invalidation by judging. Uh, ridicule is perhaps the most da damaging form of, of judgment and invalidation. 
So here we go, you know, you're crying over nothing again. Uh, just cry, cry, cry. All you're doing is crying. And you're such a, such a loser for crying that much. Uh, so there we're invalidating that, that person also. Uh, we can deny that the person that's having emotions is having those emotions. So you can say to someone, you're not angry. I know how you act when you're angry and this is not you angry. Or you can say, you haven't eaten so much. So I know you aren't, uh, you know, uh, you haven't eaten so much, so I know you aren't hungry. And the, the person can just not like food very much or the food that's in front of them very much. Um, so whenever you deny that person's, or, or like, like if your kids say to you, oh, I'm really hungry and they just ate an hour before and you're like, what, you just ate an hour ago. That's, that's invalidation. You're, you're telling the, the child that their experience of hunger is not real. Uh, you're denying it. You can also minimize. So don't worry, that's nothing. You just keep yourself together and you'll be fine. Uh, minimizing is often done with the best of intentions by people that we're close to. Um, but when we minimize someone's emotions, we are also invalidating them. Um, so there's also nonverbal invalidation. You know, we can roll our eyes. We can drum our fingers in an impatient way. We can check our watch when we're talking with someone. That's all invalidating. We can show up at an important event, but only pay attention to email and play a game on a phone. That's invalidating if we know that the event is important to the person. Um, so the, the key for us is to figure out how, in all kind of cases, to stop invalidating others and to practice validation instead. Validation is never about lying It's actually or agreeing. It's actually about accepting someone else's internal experience as valid and understandable. And it's very powerful to accept someone else's internal experience. Um, a couple of, of other red flags, and then we'll talk a little bit about how to turn from invalidation to validation. But uh, So here's a couple key phrases of invalidation. I'm sorry you feel that way. So as an experiment, ask somebody you know to pinch your arm. And if you tell that person that no matter what you do, the only response they should give to you is, I'm sorry you feel that way. If you have them pinch you until it starts to hurt, once the pain is irritated enough, tell the person, ouch, that really hurts. And they'll say, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. And uh, so telling someone, yeah, I'm sorry you feel that way is simply socially acceptable way of saying, I don't care how you feel, your reality is wrong. Uh, I'm sorry you feel that way is one of the stupidest worst things, uh, worst communicative phrases you can use in any kind of relationship that you care about. You are basically telling the person that you don't care how they feel and that their reality is totally wrong. Uh, the other, another key phrase to look out for, you shouldn't feel that way. The message of you shouldn't feel a certain way conveys contempt and superiority. It also tells the person that their emotional experience isn't valid. So the truth is you have no authority to decide how a person should or shouldn't feel. Only they know that. So denying a person's perspective can and often does make them feel crazy, make them feel invisible, make them feel small. This example reminds me of uh, severely depressed kids who often complain during uh, therapy to their therapist that their parents don't care about them. Uh, that kid probably feels that way because they've been invalidated. Their feelings have been invalidated over and over and over again. Um, if someone tells you, don't think about it, just get on with it. So imagine you spend a large amount of time training for a marathon yeah, and you've worked really hard to condition your body and you're confident that you've achieved the level of fitness. And just a few days before the marathon, you get an accident and you kind of twist your ankle. So you're sad, you're, ang you're angry, you're frustrated, you're deflated. Um, it's, so 
you know, you wouldn't in that case, just don't think about it, just get on with it. You know, you've got an injury, you can't run the marathon. Um, so it, with emotions, people and other people tell us to dismiss a feeling and just move on with life. And certainly there are situations when we need to set our feelings aside so we can function. But when a person that's close to us is constantly brushing those feelings aside, that's really problematic. Um, another form of invalidation is to just say, like, I'm not having this discussion. The form of uh, some forms of the silent treatment are kind of broader forms of invalidation. And I'm sure we've all been the victim of the perpetrator of uh, nonverbal and verbal invalidation that, that we call the silent treatment. Someone leaves the room, someone ignores a phone call. And it's really important, I think, that people realize this is not just for, for interpersonal interactions or family dynamics or relationships. Uh, if I'm sitting in a meeting with the dean and something really important comes up and the dean sits there silently and does not engage the conversation for 10 or 15 minutes, that, that person in that leadership position has invalidated the, the discussion. And it's really harmful for that workplace environment for that to be invalidated in that kind of manner. Um, okay, so how do we validate someone instead of invalidating them? Um, so I think that first we need to recognize that validating someone's emotional experience doesn't necessarily convey mean conveying agreement with it or that you think you're right or that they think if that you think they're right. You can communicate that someone's emotions are valid without liking the emotion. So, and there we need to remember emotion isn't the same thing as behavior. We also need to avoid becoming defensive or offering unsolicited advice. If you're the target of the emotion, you try to accept responsibility for at least a small part of the complaint. If you've got an idea on how to solve a problem for the other person, you might ask, do you want my help with this? Or, and if the answer is no, you just focus on listening. Uh, so under, we also need to remember understanding precedes intervention. We need to listen before we offer advice. That means trying to understand their position. And it means in many ways, the kind of mirroring and active listening I've talked about in earlier episodes. The deeper you can understand where the person's coming from, the more validating you'll be. Um, so in terms of mirroring, some of the best things we can do are to reflect feelings, to emotionally label and reflect feelings back to someone. So I can see you're really upset, or this must be painful, or this is a difficult conversation. Um, you can also try and summarize the experience that someone's kind of reported to you. Uh, I see that you're upset because I wasn't on time, and I see that you think that that was rude and irresponsible. Uh, it must be painful, and I can see that you're feeling that pain right now. Uh, there, by summarizing that other person's experience, I'm trying to validate it without agreeing with it. And the key here, I, I think, you know, all forms of inval invalidation, or oh, sorry, all forms of validation require a degree of neutrality. They, it requires you to kind of empty your language of judgments and uh, overgeneralization. It requires a degree of care, of precision in terms of emotional labeling words. It requires you to avoid being defensive and avoid going too far with what you have to say. It avoids asking questions and, and listening. Um, and it, avoid, it, it employs a kind of tone of, of neutrality. Um, and the best you can master that tone of neutrality while mirroring back or reflecting back or summarizing another person's experience, the more validated they're, they're going to be. This is often simple as a parent with, with kids to practice, where if the kid's you know, really upset about something, 
you can't just say to your kid, well, don't be, you shouldn't be upset. You know, that's a terrible thing as a parent to say to a child. Um, if you say instead, oh, I can see you're really, really upset. Uh, it seems like you're upset because of X or Y. Um, you can try and summarize or name the emotions that they're feeling for the kid and reflect it back in a really neutral way. It requires you to not sort of get caught up in feeling guilty or feeling responsible for your child's feelings though. And that could be, that could be really difficult. Um, okay. So I, I, when I would, when I teach this with my students, I encourage them to, in the next week, think about, uh, the people that you're close to in your life, managers, it doesn't matter, professional workplace, personal life, wherever. Uh, do you find people that are in, are you around people that are invalidating you a lot? And if they are, you're probably not going to have a very emotionally healthy or satisfying existence. In that, like I said, work or personally, if you're work, if you're in a workplace where your position is constantly being, or your opinion, or your ideas, or your thoughts, or your feelings is constantly being invalid, invalidated by your boss, that's not going to be a very good work environment. I would not want to work in that kind of environment. If you have friendships and relationships where people are constantly invalidating you you're probably not going to be very uh, happy or feel very secure in those in those relationships. And then also think about yourself. How many, how often do you invalid, invalidate others? And can I replace those moments of invalidation with moments of validation instead? Can I adjust my small communication practices so that I'm not invalidating someone else that I'm actually validating them? Um, that is a powerful change to make uh, and a powerful communication practice to engage in. Um, great. So thanks everyone for listening. That's episode 64 of Now We're Talking. I'll be back shortly with another uh, new episode on a different set of communication practices. Thanks.